We are going down the TV rabbit hole for the first time in quite some time. Harry's been busy. I've been busy. Howdy! Harry Bartosiak in Chicago, how are you? We're back and better than ever. I couldn't be happier to be here. It has been so boring in my life. All this holiday stuff. I'd like to be a, a dentist. A dentist? And now that we've got through it, and now I have to deal with work. Holy, th- this is just a welcome respite. We happen to be doing this show in the middle of the day when I really should be working. Don't tell my boss. He's an asshole. Right. No, I know him. Oh, he's a real asshole, a flaming asshole. You are self-employed yeah. still, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah, but you know, that's, I'm self-deprecating. So. Uh, and I have multiple personalities. So I've stepped out of my my boss mode to talk to you about television we are now almost two weeks past the new year two weeks into the new year let me ask you this in chicago has wlit the christmas station started to play regular music again or are they still playing felice navidad (laughs) that's a great question and i'm happy to report that i have no idea and do you know why because you don't listen (laughs) right because I got so sick of the Christmas music a few years back, right. I decided to permanently ban that station from my dial. I decided to pretend that the station doesn't exist and never has existed. I don't know what you're talking about. So I'm not checking on it now, and then I'm not certainly not going to check it on it next Christmas season. Well, you know what? That actually, that's brilliant thinking, because when it comes to the television business, when they would do the Q rating and ask about the different TV personalities... The best thing that you could say is, Harry Bartosiak, I know him and I like him. The second best thing they could say would be, Harry Bartosiak, I know him, but I really don't like him. The third thing and the worst thing they could say was, I don't know who that is. You know what? And uh, they do have nice people on the station. I think your friend Melissa Foreman is on there. Sounds great. And I love the concept for the regular station. I like elevator music. I'm 56 years old. I like to have peace and quiet in the background, <laughs> the soundtrack of my life, right? And so when the Christmas music comes on and just nonstop, same 12 songs. Well, let me ask you this. You say the same 12 Christmas songs. So what you're saying is they went back in time and got that reel-to-reel tape that used to play at Kmart when you and I were there in 1985 working as employees. The same oh, 20 right. songs yeah. over and over. Steve Allen. I, I can I can still name half of them. Holly Jolly was on there, wasn't it? Holly Jolly Christmas? Yeah. <laughs> yeah yes, of course. And, Holly uh, the, Jolly. I can't, yeah. The Annie Williams one, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Yeah. Let's see. What else? So, I don't think they had much Frank Sinatra or Dean Martin because that was probably just a little too edgy for Kmart. I didn't think so. Somehow that was different because we were all talking and doing tasks. Uh, you know, WLIT used to catch me when I'm captive in the car and in a bad mood because of traffic and things like that. So maybe it was just different. But, you know, I do apologize to the good no, people. No, no, no. LIT, maybe I'm in the, still in my assholeish boss mood after all. Well, Chicago's only a city of, what, three and a half million people. So if there's one guy not listening, they still got a pretty good chance of having a lot of other people <laughs> there, you know, tuning in. So don't feel too bad. Very true. Okay, I feel better. Thank you. We go down the TV rabbit hole on a regular Mm -hmm. basis, and what we do is we just talk about television shows that we liked, that we didn't like, that made an impact. It doesn't matter. It's just fun for us to go back in time. And we should mention right off the bat, because I did text you about this, we learned a couple of days ago about the passing of Adam Rich from 8 is Enough. Right, 8 is Enough? Yeah. Um, Correct. he, He was little Nicholas. By all accounts, he was really a good guy. Um, far as I know, he was a very good guy, very troubled. Unfortunately, it looks like he passed away from a uh, drug overdose, or at least that's the oh, preliminary um, rumor or reports on TMZ. Right. But I did prepare, in celebration of Adam Rich's life, I did prepare a small true or false quiz that I thought you might find interesting. Perhaps wow. the listeners, if there are any, would. Yeah. So just, just kind of, you know, fun, because we do research. We go down the rabbit hole, so some facts about Adam Rich. Maybe facts, maybe not facts. True or false? Are you ready? All right. No, I. you know, I'm just so impressed that you've done this much show prep. So, so sock it to me, as you like to say. Okay. Well, all right. So the first one, true or false? 
Adam Rich shot a pilot for a reboot of the Adam 12 series, and it was to be known as Adam 8. I'm going to say that's false. Yes, that's false. Okay. So that was like a two-foot putt that I gave you, but that's okay. Um, so the second one is Adam Rich's uh, first television appearance credit was on The Six Million Dollar Man. I'm going to say yes, because I think I remember him on that show. Yes, that's true. Now, do you remember what the episode was all about? No, but I remember it was kind of weird, like he was a, a lost kid or a kid. Uh, I don't know. Tell me. Well, I don't know. I asked you if you remembered. I have no idea. Oh, so okay. I just say, as far as I know, it could have been when Bigfoot grabbed him and was going to throw him down a ravine, but Steve Austin ran with the soup, got there in time, and grabbed him back, and said everything's okay until Bigfoot, you know, get lost. And, oh, and by the way, uh, but, the six uh, million dollar episode, uh, the six million dollar man episode with Bigfoot, yeah, by far the most authentic looking Bigfoot you've ever seen in your life. Well, the funny thing is, I think you're right. If you watch some of these Bigfoot shows, which I never watch, do you know there's like three or four searching for Bigfoot shows on the various channels like Discovery or, you know, Outdoor Fun or whatever? And it's like it's like these ghost hunter shows. They never, ever, ever <laughs> find any any shred of credible evidence to keep the show going, but they keep doing it. And they act, they they play this music and they, they always get scared. Oh, what was that? It's not Bigfoot. He doesn't exist. The one on $6 million man actually looks more authentic than anything that you show. It's like, here's a picture from 1973 from a rancher who thought this was a big dog. But as you can tell, he has giant paws. Nothing like... Uh, like a half-human, half-bear form almost. But uh, I... I can't watch those shows, but no, the ghost either. hunter ones are even worse. I mean, you and I could do a show like that. Maybe I don't know where we would do it from, from an abandoned Kmart or something like that. Did you see that blue light go off in the corner just now by itself? <laughs> well, you're right. And they stay there for like 24 hours and they wait for one tiny little piece of something on a crowded shelf to maybe fall a tiny bit only because the door is open and the wind is blowing. They're like, that book fell over. Did you see that? Right. That book fell over. And, of course, the cameraman didn't get it. So they go running. Yeah, I, no, I agree. I only watched those a couple of times with my ex-wife and they're terrible. Okay. So back to the Adam Rich quiz. Just yes. a couple more. Go. Um, true or false? Adam Rich, who grew up in California, you know, um, like a lot of child actors do, had a pet donkey named Chico who was featured on one episode of Eight is Enough, uh, an episode where Nicholas was caught stealing bananas from a fruit stand. I'm going to have to say that's true because there's no way you could make that up. <laughs> oh, contraire. That's false. But, uh, <laughs> good for you. <laughs> okay. Uh, lastly, um, Towards the end of the Eight is Enough run, Nicholas, I mean, um, Adam Rich, appeared uh, as a trapeze artist on a show on CBS called Circus of the Stars. Oh, that has to be true. If Adam Rich wasn't on Circus of the Stars, that's a crime. Okay, well, uh, somebody call the police because he wasn't on there. However... <sighs> Yeah, Susan Richardson was on there and starred doing some kind of a bit with Marty Allen because I found the picture on the Internet. And I got to doing a little research. Would you mind if I just dived in for a second to Circus of the Stars? No, that's fine. This is, again, this, we have just taken the, uh, the Schlossen cutoff and cut off our Schlossen, but keep going. Well, this is an example of when you say to yourself, where was I when all this was happening? Like, how could I possibly have missed this? Did you know that CBS had a show for from 1977 to 1994? An annual, annual episodes or semi-annual, 19 episodes total. A Circus of the Stars, which was what it sounds like. They took B and C level celebrities and had them act as circus performers. Okay? I mean, I don't remember this at all. But as I said, not only was Susan Richardson from Eight is Enough on one year with uh, Marty Allen, but Marty Allen was on one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine of the episodes as a circus performer. How come we haven't seen this show? Are you kidding me? Uh, Scott Baio, Lucille Ball, Bob Barker, 
um, uh, Harry Anderson, Lonnie Anderson, Melissa Sue Anderson, Delta Burke, Dixie Carter. Nell you're going Carter, alphabetically. Dick, you're just, you're reading off Wikipedia right now. You're going alphabetically, so you've got to be reading that alpha- from a list. I'm going alphabetically uh, because it's shooting fish in a barrel. I'm just look. I'm just flipping. I haven't even looked at some of these names. Some of them don't make any sense. James Earl Jones, Vanilla Ice, Marianne Mobley. By the All way, right, hey, hey, hang on, hang on a what? second. Were Jack Carter or Norm Crosby on the list? Regrettably, they don't appear to have been on the list. But I okay. don't think this list is fully. Kathy oh, okay. Lee Crosby was on there, of course. But here's the deal. Forget about the list. You know, I like to rattle off names of people just because. The best thing about the list, do you know who was the ringmaster for the first season? I'm just going to guess that it was either. Can I have two guesses? Please. All right. Either Hal Linden or Lauren Green. <laughs> very, very good guesses. Uh, but you're wrong. But. And there were actually four ringmasters, but I'm just going to pretend this guy was the only ringmaster because I like I like the story better. Is Jack Cassidy? Oh my God, the late Jack Cassidy before he it was one of his last that long, in that in that uh, uh, recliner. Oh, what a shame! November of 1976, it was shot. He died in December of 1976. There is a picture online that I insist you and everybody else look up of Jack Cassidy hovering over Billy Barty on the set of Circus of the Stars. And Jack Cassidy has a very long cigarette hanging out of his mouth. Um, oh, Billy Barty, boy. of course, being you know one of the most famous celebrity little people um, ever. Uh, but we've talked about Jack Cassidy and his death a lot. Can we just go? Can we just give the people the details of Jack Cassidy's death real quick? And I promise you can go right back on the track, and I will not interrupt the rest of the show. Well, no, it's important because Jack Cassidy, of course, was the father of David Cassidy, who just passed away, who was, you know, the star of the Partridge family. Jack was also a very good actor. Uh, he was a character actor. He did a lot of stuff on Broadway. He married Shirley Jones. But why don't you tell everyone how he passed away? It's not hard to find. This is from Wikipedia, for sure. But it's sad. On December 11, 1976, Cassidy invited his ex-wife, Shirley Jones, Shirley Jones Partridge, to his home in an apartment in West Hollywood, California, for drinks, but she declined. In the early morning of December 12, 1976, Cassidy lit a cigarette and fell asleep on his naugahyde couch. Asleep, he dropped the cigarette, igniting the couch. The flames spread through the apartment and building. They found his body, which was identifiable only by a ring that he had worn, uh, near the front door. So, sorry, I didn't mean to drag you down. But I just thought, th- isn't that tragic that he invites his ex-wife over for a few drinks, she doesn't go, and he's gone. Well, here's what I'm thinking after you just read that. There is a possibility that maybe, just maybe, Jack Cassidy faked his own death. I, well, f- t- toward what end? Where, wouldn't he have popped up by now? Like, at well, least on one of these Bigfoot shows or something like that. Hey, yeah, maybe no, that's an that's idea a good for point. a show. Who knows? You know what? We should do some research. Maybe he had some tax difficulties and he was just trying to dodge the IRS. Uh-huh. So he invited some some local bum over, said, hey, let's have drinks. And why don't you sit down there? He waits for the bum to pass out, tosses a cigarette, puts the ring on the finger, and then just leaves. That's always a possibility. Small possibility, that- but... Well, it's enough for a TV show, apparently. We could do In Search of Jack Cassidy and uh, get a camera crew and just start going all around uh, his former uh, jaunts, interview people, see if we can find him. It's a bit about as big a chance as finding Bigfoot, I would think. Well, you know what? I think our buddy John Kuhn, one of our regular listeners, has mentioned doing an extravaganza on Circus of the Stars. And I just don't know if there's enough meat on the bone there. But obviously... Just by the, the first, by the A, B, and C uh, last names that you read, there are enough celebrities we probably could do it. I just don't know how many people remember that show. Well, we are semi-professional TV rememberers, and we don't remember it. So there's your answer right there. All right. Well, I mean, you know what? Along those same lines, let me tell you a true story that just happened to me two days ago, and I think I texted you about it. On MeTV... 
Central Time, they run the Andy Griffith Show from 7 until 8. They run two episodes. It used to be that they'd run Gomer Pyle after Andy Griffith. Well, this week, I just happened to have it on, and what came on but the Beverly Hillbillies. Yeah. Now, that that's not a show that I watch regularly, and I don't think I've watched it for, gosh, 30, even 35 years. Maybe, well, 40 years is possible, too. But mm-hmm. it was the second episode in the series, and they were just moving into the mansion. Oh, and I said, one of the best. Yeah, no, and I said, this is interesting because, you know, Granny tries to put wood in the stove because she thinks it's a wood-burning stove. Yeah, and, uh, and they're, they're trying to figure out where the doorbell is coming from. What's that What's that bell ex- that keeps ringing? Every time ex- there's, ex- I figured it out. Every time it rings, there's somebody at the door. It's a coincidence. So I watched the whole thing. But again, I haven't watched the show, I'm going to say right now, at least 40 years, maybe more than that. But they come to the closing theme, and I said, oh my God, I know every single word of the closing theme, even though I haven't watched a show to its conclusion in all these years. And I said, you know what? Scruggs and Flat, right? Well, yes. And I I don't know if one of them sings it. It might be a different singer. But you remember. Earl Scruggs or Lester Flat. (laughs) <laughs> one of the two. <laughs> yeah. Pretty logical. But I said, you know what? I'm going to see if Harry remembers the closing theme to Beverly Hillbillies. Now it's time to say goodbye to Jed and all his friends. We sure would like to thank you folks for kindly dropping in. For something. No, no, no. You're all invited back next week to this locality. Locality to have a heap and helping of our hospitality. You all come back now, you hear? Well, then before that, it's Hillbilly, that is. Set a spell. Oh, Take your shoes right. off. Okay. Y'all come back now, you hear? All right. So I got and, like and you, a C minus on that. Probably. No, I'd give you a B minus, but you, you messed up yeah. one of the most important lines. Now it's time to say goodbye to Jed and all his kin. Oh, I said friends. <laughs> yes. That's yes, that's right. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> But no, good. I, no, I'll I, actually I'll give you a B. I'll give you a B on that one. Not bad at all. Well, thank you. All right, are you ready to get in the meat potatoes of down the TV rabbit hole? This uh, of uh, course. specific episode. All right, we hinted at this a couple episodes before. We've done extravaganzas on Match Game and on Prices Right, and we've talked about other game shows. Well, what we're going to do right now is just kind of shoot from the hip and feature some of the lesser-known game shows that maybe weren't A-list, but definitely B and C-list. And I'll kick it off, if you don't mind, because I think Please. I've got one that's kind of a BB-plus that I know you can weigh in on. Let's kick it off with Where Knowledge is King and Lady Luck is Queen. From Hollywood, here's the game where knowledge is king and Lady Luck is queen. It's the Joker's Wild. 1972 to 1986, the Joker's Wild. Joker, Joker, and the Joker. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Yes, love it. Host, Used to hosted like by that Jack show. Barry. Yeah, that was actually Jack Barry's uh, comeback vehicle because he'd been blacklisted, quote-unquote, after really? the game show scandals. And did radio. He kind of bounced around in Los Angeles. But this was his big, big step back into the limelight on a national basis. And he took advantage of it because he did it for for 14 years, 72 to 86. Why did he get blacklisted? He and uh, Dick Enright. It was, yeah, Dick Enright and Jack Berry were the two guys that were kind of at the front of those quiz show scandals of the 1950s. Oh, okay. And, of course, they did a great job in the movie Quiz Show. How much of that was true, I don't know. I've read books about it. It's, I think the movie was pretty spot on. Basically, they rigged the games. They gave the contestants the answers. But the only reason they got in trouble is because they didn't say, hey, we gave the contestants the answers. And that's why every time you watch a game show now, the ending credits are just 9,000 paragraphs of the fact that, hey, contestants may have been coached. We may have given some of the answers. Uh, some of the questions we may have changed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, literally every yeah. legal, you know, uh, uh, a possible uh, postscript that you could include, they do because of those game show scandals. Wow, I didn't realize that. That is amazing. You know what I always thought about Jack Berry? You know what struck me? This is kind of weird, but, you know, I'm weird. Uh, I always thought, myself, whenever I was watching him, I thought, I bet he's a heavy smoker. Matter of fact, 
Yeah. As far as people who look like smokers on TV, he is one of the guys I'd put in the Hall of Fame, our Mount Rushmore of smoking-looking guys. Jack Berry, Yule Brenner, as we later found out. Um, I know there's others, but I mean, just like, you know, um, I don't know why, but I just, he looked like a cigarette to me. Like, um, you know. No, he had that he, leathery kind of face. You're exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Well, yeah. and you know that during Joker's Wild, and he may have been having some respiratory problems at this point, but if you watch many of the episodes, he's not standing. He's actually sitting in a stool. Is that, is that, it's like a Floyd the Barber kind of a thing? They've have him like wedged wedged in somewhere so he can't keel over it's one of those stools that if if it's shot right if you shoot from like the knees up it looks like he's standing but he's actually leaning back in a stool watch it you'll see richard dawson was another guy who who oozed smoking but also drinking yeah so there's a lot of guys who are smokers and drinkers like a dean martin you know and everybody smoked back then don't get me wrong but i'm just oh, saying yeah. somebody who looked like the you know the you know Jack Berry was at the top of my list. But anyway, go go ahead. Didn't mean to well, sidetrack you. No, no, no. It reminds me of a story I heard from somebody in the know. What was the movie? I think it was called The Running Man with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. And Richard Dawson plays the game show host. Is that it? Yeah. Somebody said, because they cast Richard Dawson, as, and he was still doing Family Feud, I think, at the time, as the game show host, and as the game show host, he's drinking, he's smoking, and he's a real jerk. And somebody said, God, that's brilliant casting. And somebody <laughs> else said, well, actually, no, it's not. He's just playing himself. There's <laughs> no, no casting involved. <laughs> yeah. But let's get yeah. back to the Joker's Wild. I got us off the path, and I apologize. Right. You remember, and again, there have been a few reboots since then, a few spinoffs, but the meat and potatoes of the show was the fact that it was on CBS, the network, from 72 to 75, then in syndication from 77 to 86. I think that's when we remember it because it would be on WFLD, the local UHF station in Chicago, and I can't remember if it was on at 6.30 at night or 10 o'clock or 10.30, but that's when we watched it, and I gotta say, I thought it was a damn good show. Any any show where you pulled a lever had to be good, right? I, by the way, yeah. how, how did they do that? Like, who? It's not a real slot machine, so who's controlling whether it comes up jokers or not? Are the producers just deciding, man, we'll let this guy win this time? You know, we got to give the money away once in a while, so have the Joker pop up. Or well, how did they? It's a great question, but I've done a little bit of research, and I know that there was a randomness to it, and I only know that because there was this one guy. Middle-aged guy, glasses, balding, a little heavy. Are you stop talking about me, man? I, <laughs> I swear, you I told you to stop picking on me. So he's on the Joker's Wild, and he gets up there, and you can find this clip online. I'll probably throw it in here too. But the guy pulls a lever, Joker, 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 and of course, as you remember. When it comes to the rules, all you have to do is answer one question when you get the three jokers, and you automatically win the round. And you can even pick the category. So you could pick sports or entertainment or history, whatever it is that you think you'd be best at, you pick that category. Joker. Joker. Joker! Well, this guy gets three jokers and blows the question. Doesn't have the answer. <laughs> And Jack Berry's like, oh, God, I'm so sorry. Oh, blah, blah, blah. So then they go to the other guy who answers his question. They go back to the first guy, and he says, let me get three Jokers again. And Jack says, oh, okay. Ah. Sure enough, Joker, Joker, Joker. And Jack Berry goes, that's impossible. That's never happened in the entire time that we've had. We do it. It'll be once a week we get three Jokers if we're lucky. And sure enough, the guy answered the question, and he won. So. Wow. Yeah, okay. so there was a randomness. Well, that doesn't prove any randomness. It still could have been orchestrated. Yeah, you're right. I don't know. Jack Berry seemed legitimately surprised, though. And here's right. a guy who was as crooked as, as the day is long. And for him to show genuine surprise, I think, makes led me to believe that it is kind of a random game. Well, you're right, and he was probably running scared. as like, this is his big chance to come back after all that quiz show stuff, and now they're going to have a fixed... Right. Slot machine? You know, no way. Yeah. Oh, by the way. Yeah. Was this another one of those shows? Did you notice at the time there used to be a lot more shows that had where the floor was 
carpeting rather oh, than yeah. now you don't see that anymore? It's I think you're exactly like right. I, w- I want to say it was yeah. a red carpet. Oh, it wasn't a shag carpet, yeah. but it was a plush carpet, if <laughs> I remember correctly. I like that. Why don't they do that anymore? Are they afraid that it's going to get dirty and they'll have to replace it? Too much production cost? or I don't know. But uh, That could be that part anymore. of it. No, that could be part of it. That's a really good point because the carpet, and they used to say that on, on Johnny Carson's Tonight Show set, there's sometimes you can watch some clips from the 70s. You're like, yeah, that carpet's looking a little raggedy, you know? Yeah, that's right. Because yeah. he used to throw cigarettes down on it all the time. Well, yeah, behind the desk. Richard Lewis is yeah. the one that told that story. They're like a hundred cigarette burns behind the desk because he'd drop them. <laughs> all right, now yeah, let me ask Joker's you. Joker's Wild. Let me ask you this: Do you remember the bonus round in the Joker's Wild? And I only know this because I googled it about a, a month ago. Very v- vaguely. Okay. What would happen is you'd go to the bonus round and you'd you'd go to like a separate set. And maybe you stood next to Jack Berry and pulled the lever there. But money would come up, and it would be $50, $75, $75. And then that'd be like, a, what would that be? 175 right there. Um, mm-hmm. So then you'd keep going till you got to 1000 but you could stop at any point and keep the money. However, of course, as you remember... It, oh, I should mention, there would also sometimes be a special prize that would pop up, like Las Vegas or Cancun, and you'd get a vacation, or bedroom set, and maybe I'm making that up, but that's the way I remember it. But the money was the main thing, and of course, what would happen if you were too greedy? What was what was the downside to going for the thousand? Do you remember? You could come up bust devils or something like that. It, anytime you got a devil, that was it. You went down to zero and you lose. Now, I tell you that story because my friend Jerome Ritchie in the Tampa area could not watch the Joker's Wild as a child because the devil, when it would pop up, would scare him so bad that he couldn't watch TV anymore. Oh, poor guy. Oh, my God. PTSD from the Joker's Wild. Who who knew? I can believe that, though. I mean, I couldn't watch H.R. Puff and stuff for the same reason pretty much. <laughs> H.R. Puffin stuff. If you to watch H.R. Puffin stuff correctly, you had to be on LSD, if I remember. Yeah, I mean that was and a I disturbing wa- show, no matter what. Very true. How long was this show on total? It must not have scared too many kids because it's not really made for kids. Like we said, it's got a big, big smoker. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, having said that, there actually was a children's version. That was called no. Joker, Joker, Joker. Yeah, and I didn't research it, but it goes back to like 1980, 1981. They did a children's version called Joker, who, Joker, who, Joker. Yeah. Who hosted that? I don't know. I'll have to put that in the corrections. Oh, Thanks for adding to I my workload. Know. We got to know. Sorry, but to man. answer your original question, Joker's Wild 72 to 86 with Jack Barry. You said that. Yeah, they brought it back, and, and this was the one. I think I texted you this joke a long time ago, but about four years ago, it was on Fox, I think. It was Snoop Dogg presents oh, the remember. Joker's Wild. Okay. And, I, and who was the host? Snoop Dogg or was it Dave Coulier? Why would Dave Coulier be hosting the Joker's Wild? Well, what is he doing? I mean, he, you never see the guy anymore. I understand he does have a comedy bit where it was kind of the opposite of Bob Saget. You know how Bob Saget told dirty jokes all the time? Right. Dave Coulier's thing was family comedy. No dirty jokes. So... Whether he was on the Joker's Wild is immaterial to me. I just wanted well, to mention no, him. Bob Saget's act was Dirty Jokes, and Dave Coulier's act was No Jokes, if I remember correctly. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good joke. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> Joker's Wild, that's it for this game show. Let's toss it to Harry in Chicago. What game show do you want to talk about briefly? Okay, so I'm going to talk to you about a show featuring one of our favorite guys we would have liked to have a beer with that got made fun of a lot when he was alive. And I'll just give you a hint on who this is. Burt Reynolds? Burt Reynolds in a commanding lead with $14. Hey, Hey, uh, check out the podium. Look at this. Mr. Reynolds has apparently changed his name to Turd Ferguson. (laughs) That's right. Turd Ferguson. It's a funny name. I'm talking about a show that, in my opinion, was bad. However, it was presented as like the next great thing, like the next great invention, like 
a microwave oven or something. Like, I can't believe how good this show was. It was like the American public. It was foisted on them oh how funny and cute this is and it, it was on like in your face for a couple years it seemed like i'm talking about win lose or draw yes indeed i remember it very well yeah so all it is is pictionary okay yeah. which yeah. everybody even before they came out with the board game of pictionary and of course they had a board game of win lose or draw um you, you know everybody knows how to play pictionary uh not pictionary but uh, charades basically uh charades you're acting out pictionary is where you draw you know stuff right same concept you guess what the hell it is so this one was burt reynolds and his uh executive producer partner burt convey one of our favorites for formed burt and burt productions and they came up with the idea to probably was done probably were hanging around in Bert's house, his ranch in Jupiter, Florida, and they designed this show where they would have Bert, Bert Convy would be the host, Bert Reynolds would be on one team, not every show, but sometimes he was, and on the other team, and there would be one other celebrity and one um, regular contestant, and the other team had two celebrities and one regular contestant, and then they play against each other, and the regular contestant, some schlub, you know would uh, win the money, I guess. and But it was just a lot of ass-grabbing and, uh, you know, jokes at Bert, trying to make Bert look good. They actually made the set look like Bert's living room in yes. Jupiter, Florida, at his ranch, yeah. And it aired from 1987 to about 1992, uh, 1990, they had a teen version that went through 1992. Uh, but, you know, just classic game show uh, stuff in the sense that Burt Convy was the first host of the syndicated version. And then, you know who the host of the NBC uh, daytime version was? Another Vicky classic. Lawrence. Uh, Vicky that's Lawrence. right, yep. Vicky Lawrence. Yeah. Later, um, when Burt and Vicky went away, Rob Weller took over as a... Um, as a host. Remember oh, Rob Weller's kind of like this. He's like a backup quarterback in the NFL. You know, they bring him in when shows are on their last legs or some syndicated reboot. He used to be on like here. He was on like AM Chicago in this area, which is actually Oprah was on that at one time. But, uh, and then he was, you know, he, he worked his way up to um, not ESPN, but what's the uh, not TMZ, but what's the oh entertainment tonight. Remember? Exactly right. Uh, yeah, that yeah. was his only real national exposure, I think, other than win, right. lose or draw. And then like if they did a if, if they didn't give a shit and they were going to do Joker's Wild again, they might make Rob Weller the host, you know, if he's still doing this. Yeah, that's one of um, those things where you only get clearance in like 40 markets. So you're like, okay, who can yeah. we get kind of on the cheap? Who do, who's on the bench? Yeah. Uh, you know, oh, wait a minute. P.T. Willis. Uh, P, come on. You wave him into the game. <laughs> yeah. you know, <laughs> <let's>... Right. Exactly. <laughs> now, the other guy who hosted the teen version from 89 to 92 was a guy named Mark Price, who's done a lot of teen hosting like on Nickelodeon. I, I think it was on the Disney Channel, but that's the one where the guy that, where they, they pour the slime all over you. The, oh, the God. Yeah, 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 yeah. That show, what was it? It was on Nickelodeon. It was called, we should know this. Um, oh, I can't remember. Double uh, Dare. Double Dare. Was that it? Is that what it was called, where they pour the slime? I think so. God, how did I remember that? I'll have to put that wow. in the corrections, but I, I would I would place a bet on Double Dare. That is very impressive. Um, so I don't have all that much to say, but if you just remember, don't you remember at the time that they were that was such a popular show? But it didn't take long, at least for me. Of course, that time I was getting out of high school, already turning into a bigger smartass than I even was in high school, so I was getting more cynical on my TV viewing. But I realized at that time this is a shit show, basically. Uh, it debuted. First... No, it debuted with yeah. a splash. I remember you said it exactly right. People yeah. talked about it. Burt Reynolds was involved, but it lost its luster fairly quickly. It did. It, it petered out. Um the first you would have loved it's available i watched it you can do it too if you if you want to waste uh, some time which we love to do the first episode uh, from 1986 featured the here's the two teams right bert convey's the host and on one team uh they had um lonnie anderson and betty white and some schlub um right. contestant and the other team bert reynolds some schlub contestant and tony danza oh, no, no, no. Yes, 
You can just imagine the back and forth and how that went. You know, it's like this probably the talking, the the discussion between the celebrities was probably exactly how they talked to each other at Burt's Ranch. Um, now, I never saw the Vicki Lawrence version. And I, I'm grateful for that. Yeah. Uh she took a month off in 1988, and you know who her replacement was? I'm sure this was spectacular. Um, I, You know what? I'm going to take a left-field guess because I think I remember this. Was it Sarah Purcell? <laughs> no. Sarah Purcell was a professional uh, you know, game show host. Very okay. good. Okay. Uh, no, Sally Struthers. Oh, my. Okay. <laughs> Poor Sally. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. So... Um, Anyway, um, during the run, the other thing they did, and this is done a lot, like with Wheel of Fortune. Sometimes I think, I don't know if Jeopardy does this, but you don't see it quite as much with a lot of shows nowadays. But they would do road trips a lot on this show. They went uh, like, they would do it from Burt Reynolds' Jupiter, Florida ranch. They did it from Disney World. They did it in, from New York, Central Park, Hawaii. And they even did it in Chicago. Whoop-dee-doo, we missed that one. Um, but uh, anyway, that's my entry for today. Not too much more to say, but it was like a, a shooting star that flamed out and left a bad smell. Uh, win, lose, or draw. Excellent choice, and it's going to lead me to one that actually created a bit more of a splash, but the exact same thing happened but for different reasons. I'm talking about the yeah. show that was on from 1999 uh -huh. to 2002. I'm talking about the one that was on the network, not the syndicated version, hosted by Regis Philbin called... Oh, who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Which you remember was the number one show for like oh, a God. season or half a season when it was on ABC. It was... This was... That wasn't just a big splash. It was it was like a supernova explosion or whatever. Yeah. It, I don't know. It was like, oh, my God. It was on every single effing night. For... See? And that was the problem. Because when yeah. it debuted, it was on once a week. And, of course, we could talk about this subject for an entire episode. I mean, it's the reason television news has killed itself. Because rather than do three newscasts a day, they do 13 now. Because... Hey, wait, this one's good. Let's do another one. It's cheap. We'll just go ahead and do more, do more, do more. ABC put it on. I think it could it have been four nights a week. I know it was at least three nights a week, right? It was huge. It was on just about every night. It seemed like, and then yeah. they had. I think they had one big night where they had it was somehow better, bigger production than the others. But I think Regis hosted them all. Unless I don't yeah. know, you can tell me, but. No, the, the network know, version, yes. He hosted every show when it was on ABC. And it actually prompted him to write a book, a horrible book that sadly I bought and read. <laughs> it was a horrible book, <laughs> science. <laughs> but, you know, Regis, he wrote like three or four or five books. I don't know how many. But this he was book like was a, He fancied himself a modern-day Steve Allen, let's face it. Oh, God. Yeah, Steve Allen. And again, Steve <laughs> Allen's first book is great. Every other book he wrote after that is just garbage, just flaming garbage. Because <laughs> I went to the library, and I got it, and I said, oh, Steve Allen. I, I went, and I said, okay, 1954, whatever the first year he published it. I said, wow, this is really clever. It's funny. It's witty. And then the second one, absolutely terrible. He's telling stories about <laughs> him and uh, uh, what was his wife's name? Jane Meadows? Yeah. Audrey Meadows yeah. was on Honeymoon. Yeah. Oh, just terrible. But Regis wrote the book. It was called I'm Only One Man. And yeah. the, the entire book was the fact that here I am. I'm Regis and I'm 70 years old and I can't be in enough places at the same time. I've got my show in the morning with Kathy Lee and they want me to do a radio show and now I'm doing Who Wants to Be a Millionaire four nights a week and but you know what? I'm only one man. There's only so much I can do. That's the whole book. That's the whole freaking book. Just telling the story yeah, about yeah. how he can't keep up and kind of complaining about it. Yeah, I mean, he's trying to do it comedically. And, you know, I suppose there was a little humor in there. But I have the feeling that my little recreation was funnier than anything I read in the book. Yeah, the Cliff Notes version. I'm going with the Cyan Cliff Notes. That's all I need. And I remember, I still still remember the cover. It's him standing there in one of his good suits. And, of course, you know, he always, on, on Millionaire, I think he always wore 
the monochromatic, if that's the right way to describe it. He'd wear the yellow shirt and the yellow tie. Or the pink really? shirt and the pink tie. I'm 95% Cyan, sure. Cyan, you're a genius. You remember <laughs> that. And it was a great picture of him, but the whole book was just nothing but the fact that, oh, they want me to do all this stuff. And, of course, because of the network's greed, you and I liked the show, watched it when it was on once a week. Then when it was on four times a week, everyone grew tired of it. And what happened? Went off the network, and now it's in syndication. And, you know, it's kind of a middling show at this point. Okay. You know who was laughing in his grave when that happened? Rolling over. Oh, I can imagine a few people, but tell me. Colonel Tom Parker, I'd say. And here's why I say that. That was his whole strategy with Elvis. Fever! With all the bad stuff that he might have done, uh, the strategy of always leave him wanting more. Yeah. Uh, Don't overexpose. Worked like a charm. Now, who knows? Elvis is Elvis, and maybe he didn't need to do that. But uh, I think there's a lot to be said for that. And these people, you know, the other phrase that comes to mind is... uh, 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 what is it? Pigs get fed, hogs get slaughtered, or something like that. You, you know, you go over that line, you're dead, you're done. But didn't the same thing happen after Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? What was that next? The show, uh, The Weakest Link. Didn't they do that for a while? Like where they had that mean British woman on the show. That show was on multiple times, uh, too much, and all this, it flamed out real quick too. I didn't research that show, but I'm. 90% sure that you're correct because I remember the same thing. I'm like, wait, this show's on again? Well, it's it was a phenomenon for a little short while. And same thing with the one with Howie Mandel where he's got the briefcases. That, that, you, you know what? See. I actually did the research on that one, and you're exactly right. Deal or no deal, 2005 to yeah. 2008. And then, of course, it went to syndication yeah. 2008 to, uh, I think, 2010. But you're exactly right. They oversaturated the market. And let me tell you the story about Deal or No Deal. Yeah. Because I remember this vividly. Please do. I was working at the NBC affiliate in Fort Myers, Florida. And, of course, I was doing mornings, so I was usually in bed by 8, 8.30, and I didn't watch a lot of TV at night. Well, the guy, a still a dear friend of mine. As a matter of fact, he's just been nominated for Weathercaster of the Year. He works Whoa. for the yeah. He works for the ABC station in Fort Myers, Florida. Very talented meteorologist by the name of John Patrick. Mm-hmm. He did mornings on ABC. I did mornings on NBC. Great guy. JP comes to work the next day. He says, "Did you see that new show on NBC last night with Howie Mandel?" And I said, "No, I went to bed at eight or whatever." He says, "Let me explain it to you." He says, Howie Mandel is here, and they've got this big studio with 30 briefcases. And there are girls standing next to the briefcase. And they open the briefcase, and there's a dollar sign in there, a dollar amount. Then after that, Howie Mandel gets on this prop phone, and he talks to an imaginary guy that's up in the rafters. He's called the banker. And you can only hear one side of the conversation. And it's obvious that he's just talking to himself. There's nobody up there in the rafters. And he's saying, yeah, okay. Well, what do you think? Well, I don't know. Well, that sounds good. Is that the way we want to go? Okay. He says, so he's obviously just filling time for like 45 seconds. And then they come up with a dollar figure. And the person says yes or no. And then they go and they open more briefcases. And I said, are you sure this isn't a Saturday Night Live skit? (laughs) I said, this sounds like the most bare bones game show in the world. He said, Jim, I swear to God, that is exactly how the show happens. And he's exactly right. His his recreation was perfect. And I still can't believe that show was a hit. Other than the fact that the girls were all pretty good looking. Well, that had something to do with it. I'm thinking it was the it was the presentation. It was. Yeah, they were they they it was like there were a ton of these girls and. You know, I don't know if they're scantily dressed, but they had dresses maybe. But that, you know, easy on the eyes. Uh, gold briefcases, you know, glitz, glamour, bing, bang, boom, pop. Howie Mandel wasn't really funny, but no, uh, you know, no. um, passable. Uh, and uh, but it it was again, it was a, it just shot into the consciousness of the public and then flamed right out. But no, you're right. I mean, it was exactly who wants to be a millionaire, win, lose or draw deal or no deal shows that if had they maybe balanced, had they had they had they just fed us little portions, you know, yeah. instead they gave us, you know, a double sized banana split, 
two, three, four times a week, and uh, and they just flamed out because of greed. Now, let me tell you a deal or no deal story real quick. Okay. I never really watched the show, but I remember my ex-wife and I were on a cruise, and we get on the cruise ship, and have you taken a cruise before? I never have, although I've watched almost all of the Love Boat episodes. So I okay, like well, I this is the part they don't show you on the Love Boat, because you get to the port, and you get on the ship, and once you get on the ship, for about four hours, there's nothing to do, because none of the bars are open, the casino isn't open, the restaurants aren't open, because they're all getting ready for the cruise. So you're basically in your cabin, and you don't even have your luggage, because they take the luggage downstairs, and they bring it up to your cabin like four, six, ten hours later. Sometimes we wouldn't even get our luggage till after midnight. So you sit in the room, and you turn on the TV, and I remember they were oh. doing a deal or deal, no, uh, a marathon on NBC, uh-huh. like during the day, whatever it was, Game Show Network, I don't know. But my ex-wife and I are there, and we're like, well, okay, we don't really watch this show, but there's nothing else on. So there was this woman, a stewardess, and I remember she comes on, and she's like, oh, howie, blah, 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 blah. And after about 30 seconds, my ex-wife and I said, I'm rooting against her. I want her God, And she was so obnoxious and so annoying, and she was so greedy. She went all the way down to the end, and it was either the $1 million or the $1. And sure as uh-huh. shit, she got the $1. And my wife and oh. I were so happy. <laughs> but, but then I thought about it, and I said, well, because of the, the disclaimer that they run at the end of the show... I wonder if maybe they fixed it. So she did get the one dollar. <laughs> I wonder. Um, now she, you owe her a debt of gratitude. She helped you pass the time uh, before you could get at those bars when they opened. Oh yeah. But I also, I also wonder what do they give you? What do you think the tax hit is on those game shows? Most of them, let's say, are filmed in California. Uh, you win a million dollars. How much of that money do you really get? 50% of it you come clean with after the time you get hit with uh, California? And let's say you're a sh- guy like me from Illinois, I get hit state income tax too. I don't know how it works. Maybe we should call an accountant. But no, well, I'll tell how you how much you really get. I can tell you, not a dollar figure, but uh, I know someone who was at a game show and won a refrigerator and an oven and a garbage disposal and a trip to Mexico. France, is this Francis Bavier? Yes, it is. It was the Aunt B episode where she... <laughs> but you remember, she had to sell off some of them to pay for the taxes. So I think it's about 50%. <laughs> All right, so we've covered Millionaire, Deal or No Deal, Joker's Wild, uh, Win, Loser, Draw. I got one more, but I imagine you probably got a couple more game shows real quick to just throw against the wall. What do you, what do you got there in Chicago? I just have one more, and it, it dovetails into winning money, as most of these game shows do. Uh, I'll give you a hint, see if you can remember this one. Here's my hint. Ready? Okay. Bueller, Bueller, Bueller. One that I never Bueller. watched, but I saw the promos. Win Ben Stein's money. I'm Ben Stein. Win Ben Stein's money. That's right. Ben, win Ben Stein's money, featuring the aforementioned Ben Stein was a game show when it was on from 1997 to 2003 on Comedy Central. And for a good chunk of that time, about the first three years, Jimmy Kimmel was the co-host. So it featured three contestants who competed to answer basic, like general knowledge questions. You had to be pretty smart to know some of these. Uh, And the idea was to win $5,000 of Ben Stein's money. Now, Ben Stein is an interesting character because he... He's an older guy. He was born like in in 1940s, and he started out as a speechwriter for Richard Nixon. And I want to say this to the television audience. I made my mistakes, but in all of my years of public life, I have never profited, never profited from public service. I've earned every cent. And in all of my years of public life, I have never obstructed justice. And I think, too, that I can say that in my years of public life, that I welcome this kind of examination because people have got to know whether or not their president is a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. Wow. Then he became a comedian and then an actor uh, as, you know, he was in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Bueller, Bueller. I mean, one of the most famous 
repeated uh, lines in comedy movie history, I would say. You didn't really win $5,000 of Ben Stein's money. Instead, um, the producers put up 5000 bucks, And who, if, if the contestants didn't win it, Ben Stein got to keep it. So, in that sense, it could be Ben Stein's money. But there wasn't too much remarkable about this show, except for his deadpan drawl, I'm Ben Stein. My brain is a miraculous instrument. It contains all the information I need to protect myself from you taking my money. You know, stuff like... And, and Jimmy Kimmel was the light comedy... Um, you know, goofball, um, uh, you know, inserter of jokes and things of that nature. And he was good, but I don't remember this show being a massive hit. I kind of liked it. It was around for a while. Uh, but I think the biggest thing that's interesting to me is uh, Jimmy Kimmel being on there. He went on after that to be on The Man Show, which he hosted with Adam Carolla. Do you remember that? Yep. Right. That was on Comedy Central, too, and they would have, like, a woman – holding a big keg of beer and bouncing in her, you know, with big bouncy breasts and stuff, jumping on a trampoline or something like that. Yeah, just tasteless crap. Yeah, no, I, re- I remember great. a couple of good, great. I remember a couple of good comedy bits from that show that show up on Facebook every now and then. It wasn't a terrible show. There are worse shows they, out there. I thought it was pretty funny overall. In other words, yeah, they wouldn't do it nowadays, but uh, those two guys are very funny, very talented. I mean, Jimmy Kimmel, as you know, went on to host the Academy Awards for a couple of years. Has he done it for two years or three years? But I don't know, but yeah, he's, he's definitely done it. Yeah, no, he's, he's his resume is real good, and I guess his ABC show is pretty successful because it's still on. So there you go. It's very successful, and and one of the best. A little 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 known fact about uh, Jimmy Kimmel is he's a narcoleptic. Did you know that? No, boy. Yeah. Has he ever, never has he ever fallen asleep on, on, on camera? No, but I do remember the woman who worked at Kmart with us in the hosiery department who would fall asleep standing up, and we'd have to snap our fingers while you're talking. Where should I put this box of men's socks? Jean, 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 wake up. Wake up. Of all the diseases to have, I wouldn't, if I had to pick one, like, you know, okay, you got to pick one and it can't right. be good. You know, I might pick narcolepsy because I like sleeping at this age, this time <laughs> in my life. You know. See, that's pretty so. funny. I like that. That's a good <laughs> line. <laughs> you know, actually, that's the line. You know, I'm just so busy at work. I hope that I come down with narcolepsy. <laughs> <laughs> I could use a nap. Right. Who couldn't? Um, but anyway, not much more to say about when Ben Stein's money, I'd, so, but I, I thought, um, you know, I had it in my back pocket, so I thought I would throw that out there. You know, that would have been a really good Saturday Night Live skit. Win Ben Stein's money. Let's welcome returning champion for 49 weeks now, Harry Bartosiak. Harry, great to have you here. <laughs> then you go to Ben Stein, who's standing there in like one of those barrels, and that's too cliche. But, you know, he's standing there, and he's obviously destitute, and they're like, Ben, oh, man, boy, you've lost how much money? Uh, $190,000 just in the last week alone. Uh, uh, ben, uh, you must, h- how you doing? And he's just like, do you think maybe I could have like, a sandwich or something before we start. I haven't eaten in seven days. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. <coughs> I like that. Um, real quick, and this is yep. out of pure curiosity. Did poor people used to wear barrels for clothes? <laughs> is that... <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a you know what that's a great question because that's the stereotypical thing from like the silent era i think from when a guy yeah. was too poor to afford clothes he'd wear the barrel <laughs> with the suspenders yeah because somebody must have had to like outfit the barrel for them you couldn't just have the barrel you'd have to hold it so they always had like the straps in there did they sell those at shops or people do that do it yourself See that's and the thing is, you'd have to have the right size straps because if it was too low right. or too high, depending upon whether you're a male or female, you know. Yeah, right. Win Ben Stein's money. Is it still on the air? I can't imagine it is. No, no, no. It, it ended a long time ago. Yeah. All right. Well, I've got one. I've got one more for you, and you remember this one okay. very well. And this one is very milk toast, but it's one that everyone remembers. From 1978 to 1981, and then it came back 1986 to 1989. You know what? I'll give you the name of the show, and let's see if you can guess the two hosts. Are you ready? (laughs) All right. It's one we all remember. 
I'll go higher, higher, no, lower, lower. I'm talking about card sharks. Okay, card sharks. Uh, Alex Trebell. <laughs> no, uh, that's from Second City TV. Okay, uh, Alex Trebek. No, no. Oh, okay, um, wait a minute. Uh, Chuck Woolery. No, you're right in the meat and potatoes, all the game show John hosts. Davidson. Ralph Benerska. No. Boy, you're missing a couple Card of charts. obvious ones. All right, Dick I'll give Gaudier. you a hint. I'll give you a hint. The early version, okay. 78 to 81. Good host, nice personality, big glasses. Oh. Oh. Uh, I hate this because I know I'm going to kick myself very hard. Go ahead and tell me. No, no, no. I'll even give you one more hint. All right. He was on another game show where men and women would try to hook up. It was a Chuck Barris production. Early 70s. <laughs> oh, boy. I, I mean, it's not Bob Eubanks, right? No, no. Chuck no, Barris production. Dating game. Oh, I know. Jim Lemon. Jim Lang, you're close. <laughs> all right. All right. And Lemon then the, Lang. I used to drink that soda all the time, the knockoff version. 86 to 89, okay? Who do you yeah. think took over for Jim Lang when they brought it back from 86 to 89? Think think game show hosts right in the wheelhouse. Think the cleanup hitter of game show hosts all time. This is the one I was trying to think of, yeah. Um, well, I've already rattled off like most of them. Um, Alan Ludden would have been dead by then. Tom Kennedy. No, Tom Kennedy would be like a, a bench player. No, he'd be like the, the second string shortstop. No, I'm talking about maybe not your cleanup hitter, but number three in the lineup. Dick your Bill Clark. Buckner type hitter. Yeah. I really, I can't, I can't do I'm, I'm All blind. right, I no, that's I'm like okay. I'm panicking, I'm sweating. That's I'm like all right, Albert no. Brooks in broadcast news. I'm sweating profusely right now. Bob Eubanks, Bob Eubanks. Oh, well, I said him. Yeah, I guessed Bob Eubanks. No, you didn't. No, you guessed Chuck Bullery. Yeah. You did? All right, well, well, I'll have to go back on the tape and see if you did. If you did, I apologize, <laughs> and I'll take all this out. But anyway, card you sharks. You said at Barris Production, I said it wasn't Bob Eubanks, was it? So I like backwards guess. Oh, maybe, okay, maybe you did. Anyway, yeah. card sharks was on a couple of times on the network we all remember it because they would survey 100 people and they would say we went to chicago and we went to the woodfield mall and we asked 100 random people would you rob a bank if you could get away with it how about that that would be one okay. of the questions and how many people said they would and so okay uh, i'm gonna say 60 people 60 out of 100 said they would rob a bank if they could get away with it then they'd go to the other person. They'd say, well, you know, Chicago's a town of kind of blue-collar people, and I think they're kind of the, in the Midwest, and people in the Midwest are kind of honest. So I'm going to say it's going to be lower than 60. All right, and let's see. We go to the survey, and it was 49. So you're right. Harry, you win. Congratulations. Now, I did all that because, and again, I didn't Google it. I'm doing all this from memory. But after that, you remember what would happen. I have no idea. I thought it was all about turning some board with some cards on it. Right. To see well, it. that's like, what you're, you get you're, bingo you're, or something like no, that. No, not bingo. They would, they would, they would give you a card, and the card would be a regular playing card. You know, two through ace, and I think ace was always high. And so they'd come up with a seven. And say, okay, what do you think? Is the next card going to be higher or lower? Ooh, uh, you know what? Uh, I'm going to have to say that I think the next card is going to be higher, higher. It's going to be higher than a seven. All right, and then the good-looking gal would flip over the card. It's a queen. All right, yeah, congratulations. All right, do you want to freeze or you want to keep going? Ooh, a queen's pretty high. You know what? I'm going to keep playing, and I think I'm going to go lower, lower. I'm going to go lower. And then they throw up the next card. It's a king. Oh, no, bing. And then you'd have to reset and go back to the beginning. That's the show in a nutshell. That kind of sucks, basically, doesn't it? That, well, that and it does. Sound like a... No, it, it, it did. It, it, it did kind of suck. It wasn't a good show. But I remember watching it, even as a kid. I was like 10, 11, 12, whatever. And I remember watching the people, and they would always do the thumbs up for higher and the thumbs down for lower, and they would always talk so much about 
how they came up with their answer to the question. You know, well, I drove a Ford for many years, and I know a lot of people don't like foreign cars. As a matter of fact, my Uncle Joe won't drive a foreign car because he served in World War II. So I'm going to have to go ahead and say it's going to be lower than 39 people. And I remember thinking, geez, these people, first of all, they don't have much to say. Second of all, they're just kind of talking to, to talk out their answer. They're obviously very, very, very coached. Everyone was just overly animated and overly verbose to the point where it, yeah. it was a detriment to the show. Amy, we surveyed 100 pregnant women and we asked them, are you married? <laughs> How many pregnant women said they are married? Well, Bob, I would hope that pregnant women would be married. And so I think that number's going to be pretty high, that they were going to be married and they're pregnant. But there's always that chance that there's going to be some that aren't. There is? Well, sure, in today's times there are. So oh, I see. I'm going to say it's going to be 87. 87 out of 100 pregnant women said, yes, they are married. Card Sharks, to me, just didn't do it. There were some other shows like that I I'm trying to think of. That are like tic-tac-doe. I thought that was boring, too. I mean, there's only so many variations on these things. Could have They could have had a bingo show, for God's sakes. You know? it gets, it's all about answering questions. Uh, it you, doesn't matter like whether they're turning over a damn card or the bonus card or you're coming up with the gold nugget round or whatever. It's the same concept, basically. Yeah, if I so want to play pretty... if I want to play higher or lower with a deck of cards, I'll just ask my Auntie Darrell to play war with me in the living room. There you, know, you go. Yeah. You know, I got a She's seven. much more interesting. Yeah, I got a seven. I got a five. Okay, you win. Uh, I got a seven. Oh, I got a seven, too. War! At least you got war. You know, bam, bam, you yeah. put the cards down. At least that, you know, is, is kind of a, a curveball on the game. You know, Card Sharks was not a good one. But I'm glad. I'm so glad that you mentioned Tic-Tac-Doe, which I didn't do the research on. But maybe I've told you this story before. I know it's, well, it's in a book. So... It's been written. It's been researched. But do you know the story about Tic-Tac-Doe where they tried to kind of fix the game a little bit? Uh, you mean like fix it because the show was bad, not like fix it like the fix is in? Well, what happened was, and it was one of the producers. No, maybe it was a friend of the producer. Yes, he was like a journalist. And he had a buddy who was super smart. And he said, listen, he says, I know the guys that produce Tic-Tac-Doe. He says, you're so smart. You should go on that show, and, and you win a lot of money, and we'll split it. And the guy says, well, yeah, if you want me to, sure, I'll, I'll go on the show. And so the guy goes on, and his buddy is watching from home, and he's like, oh, my God, we're going to clean up because my buddy knows more than anybody. He's an encyclopedia. Well, they start the game, and sure enough, they ask the one guy the question. He gets it right. They ask the second person, the other contestant, the question. They get it right. And they go back and forth a couple of times, and they do the, the board. It's like, boo doo 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 And I think it was, who was the host of Tic-Tac-Doe? Wink Martindale. Wink Martindale. Wink Martindale, yeah. So he's got an X in the corner and an X in the center, and then down at the bottom, let's say it's entertainment is the category. And Wink Martindale says, well, I imagine you probably want entertainment for your next category. And the guy says, no, I'll take history, which is up in the other corner which wouldn't give him tic-tac-toe. So Wink's like, are you sure you don't want entertainment? And the guy says, no, 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 I'll take history in the upper right corner. So Wink says, okay. He asks him the question. Of course, he gets it right because he's really smart. Then the next person goes, and they say, and they take whatever the next, they take the bottom lower left, which gave them tic-tac-toe, and they ended up winning. Well, it turned out that the guy who was trying to get his smart buddy on Tic-Tac-Doe to win all this money, it turned out this really <laughs> smart guy didn't know how to play Tic-Tac-Toe. <laughs> oh, my God. That's awesome. And that was in a book by – it was that was that, you read that in, like, Wink Martindale's book? Or something? Uh, no, it wasn't Wink's book. I think it might have been in Jeff Kisseloff's book called The Box. But this one guy who had the inside track to get his buddy on the show, who was so smart, oh didn't know God. how to play tic-tac-toe. Can you believe <laughs> that? Yeah. All right, I yeah, think best. that's a good story to wrap it up on, unless you uh, have any anything additionally you'd like to talk about. But this was fun. I had a lot of fun on this one. Me too. I think I can kind of bring our, our episode to a logical conclusion, and you can feel free to join in as I say, 
Now it's time to say goodbye to Harry and all his kin, and they would like to thank you folks for kindly dropping in. You're all invited back next week this to this locality, locality to have a heap and helping of their hospitality. hospitality. <laughs> all right, this is Jim back with the corrections, and we don't have many at all for once. Joker, Joker, Joker was on from 79 to 1981. That was the kids' version of the Joker's Wild. And, of course, it was hosted by Jack Bear. Now, Harry and I mentioned a couple of guys. Mark Price as a TV show host. Mark Price is probably better known as Skippy on Family Ties. That's Mark Price, and I should know that because I've met the guy. Mark Summers was a TV host, a game show host. He hosted that show, Double Dare, which was on Nickelodeon. A little confusion, we apologize. That's it. We're done. Enjoy your day. We'll see you next time right here on Down the TV Rabbit Hole with Jim and Harry.